Welcome to Life in the Balance. I'm Aaron Hankin. This is a monthly feature here on WYPR where we focus on tough issues here in our city. We talk with people who've actually experienced these issues, the lives that hang in the balance, you might say. And then we talk to those people in our city who are proactively working to do something about these entrenched problems. We've covered everything from post-incarceration employment struggles, to gang violence, to grandparents raising grandchildren, to teenage depression, to the opioid crisis. You can listen to previous episodes of the show at wypr.org slash life in the balance, or wherever you download your podcasts. On this episode, we're going to be taking you inside a boxing gym in East Baltimore. This gym is unique. It's one of the only places in the neighborhood that offers any extracurricular activity for local kids. And it was founded by a man named Alex Long. Alex had a difficult childhood himself, being separated from siblings and parents in foster care. And he's faced even more challenges since then, including the recent murder of his sister. But what he does to stay stable and positive is he remembers the support of his coaches. He was always an athletic guy. He received incredible support through sports and coaching throughout his life. And he wants to make sure the boys in his neighborhood get the same kind of care and guidance. Alex is now an active member of Safe Streets. That's an anti-violence prevention program here in Baltimore. With the help of manager Gardnell Carter, also known as Brother Hamza, he was able to move into an empty space and slowly start filling it with boxing equipment for his students. We're going to hear more about Alex and his journey later on in the program, but for now, we're going to head inside the Team Redemption Boxing Gym in East Baltimore. We have our reflex ball right here that help the kids, you know, work on their fighting stance and just dodging punches, being able to counter. We have our heavy bags in the back that we really use pretty much nonstop. That's where they really get most of their work um, outside. We really don't do no contact at this current moment. So all the beating and banging is on those bags right there. We got our curl bars, you know, the sit-up bench, um, our ab rocker. Like I say a lot of things we really haven't set up yet because we just moved into this location. We're really setting things up and figuring out what we're going to set things up at. Not, his hands is down. He lazy punching. Knees not bent. Not turn his back foot. This is what you call poor technique. This young man right here is Joshua Walker, the heart of the program. Um, me and the kids, we started this, but like I told y'all, he is the actual skill set. Um, he is the reason why this program has been able to strive and for me to be able to actually teach them something other than just throwing their hands. My name is Joshua Walker. Um, I've been boxing since I was seven years old. Um, I'm 21 now. I, I, I was a troubled youth in my neighborhood, in my community and stuff. I had um, a lot of runners with the law. I got into a lot of guys in my neighborhood. I set a, I set a bad name for myself. I thought, you know, being make people scared of me, you know, is what a man was. It wasn't. And um, Alex like a big brother to me, you know. He sh- you know, Alex, whenever I'm doing something wrong or they feel as though, you know, something that I'm, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, Alex and Brother Hampson are right there telling me, you know, no, nah, you know, this not the right way, you know. You need to do this better, you need to do that, you know. They 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 they've been a real positive impact in my life. And um Alex had kids, you know, that he was just trying to do stuff with every day, every day. And actually his sons two of his sons actually brought up the idea about boxing. 
And I was talking to them about, you know, with my boxing um, experience and stuff. And Alex was like, well, man, we, can, we can do something, you know. Anybody can have talent to do anything, you know. You can have talent to run fast. You have a talent to, you know, to be, you know, to swing punches fast or be real strong. But discipline comes with the mind well, within yourself. Discipline is on, you know, what, what type of character you are. How do you carry yourself? How do you go about things in a different way, a better way? And um, I feel as though that my discipline that I have now is beyond what I've had, I'm going to say, at least two years ago. I feel as though that I'm more mature, and my discipline level is, you know, um, it, it, it got me more on a, on, on a better track and a better state of mind. Because um, the discipline that I had first, what I thought was a good discipline was anybody who came to me or stepped in front of me, I can beat them up. Or I can just manhandle them and just keep going about my way, you know. Discipline is which you have self-control. If somebody call you out your name, you know you don't have to, you know you don't have to put your hands on. You know it's it's a better way of going about things. And I feel as though that Alex and Brother Hammers have mold me into having better discipline. Well, when we first come in, we get all the guys to sit down and just have a little five-minute period of just kind of like meditation where they just sit back and just get to clear their mind and just get to focus even two things, either all the bad things that happened today and what they can do to alleviate that and make that, you know, change for the better, or where do they see themselves? Because a lot of times, speaking from my personal experience, I didn't have, you know, too much faith and belief in myself because I was always, you know, kind of beat down and told what I couldn't do and what I wasn't going to be able to become. So when you actually get to visualize yourself being whoever you want to be, I think that really can help any child a hundred times better than anything that I or their parents can say because it's what they want for themselves. My name is Cameron Tartman and 13, and I go to Fort Worth Elementary Middle. My name is Martree Wheat. I'm 13, and I go to Fort Worth in middle school. My name is Khalil. I'm 13. I go to Fort Worth Elementary Middle School. Yeah. My name is Robert, and um, I go to Fort Worth. And I'm I'm nine years old. And uh, how about Alex? Talk talk about Mr. Alex and just sort of the kind of guy he is, and just sort of what what, well, what it's like to spend time with him. Well, what it's like to spend time with him, like he makes sure you good and everything, and like he teaches this is discipline, make sure we ain't doing nothing wrong, and we do we gotta. Do the con- we gotta do the consequences. He he a nice guy. He tell us don't don't keep them guns down. Stay out the streets, really. Stay and out stay out yeah, stay out of trouble. And don't be doing un- things to get yourself locked up or don't be having BB guns or nothing like that. He he's a nice man and I'm happy that he opened this boxing play so we can be get strong. My name is Joshua and I'm 11. My name is O'Hara, 16 years old. And my name is Octavia Stevens and O'Hara Stevens and Joshua Ross are my sons. My sons, they are the ones that kind of came up with the whole idea with their friends on what it is they want to do in the community, something that, well, everybody that can do. So um, 
I'm going to support them regardless, not only because they're my sons and they're friends, but just because I feel as though that the kids don't have rec centers anymore. They don't have outlets for when they get angry or upset with things that they got to deal with. You know, a lot of people think that just because they're kids, they don't feel or they don't have, you know, emotions and things like that. But they they little people to me too. They're gonna be our age if we keep leading them down the same, you know, path to doing good. So I feel as though that all kids need that outlet. This is called the um the body workout, it's called body hunting. This is helping you to place your punches right, to keep moving and always looking for target when it comes to the body, okay? But while Alex have O'Hara on the on the um body bag, we're gonna still have the kids working on the heavy bed. So everybody's always working at all times. So you got Alex putting on like a padded uh, chest plate here. He's gonna get punched for a while. Is that what's about to happen? It's ready, it's, um, they ready to take blows at Alex's body to work on the technique for punching to the body and how it feel to strike to the body. So tell me, tell me about this uh, apparatus that you're putting on yourself. You're, you're getting ready to get punched by yeah, a pretty big 16 year old. Yeah, this Venom body gear really give us the opportunity to let the kids unload and not really cause damage to each other. So I prefer that I wear it or Josh wear it and it really get them the confidence. I'm a grown man, 230 pounds, so you can bring it to me, Ohio, <laughs> at 140, 150 pounds. It's not gonna be an issue with people in your weight class. So this, like I say, this really just give them an opportunity to build their confidence, just get used to getting contact in. So you got this vest on, you're going to dodge around and uh, O'Hara's going to take his best shots at you. Definitely. Okay, go for it. You ready? Don't try to hurt me, boy. Come on, you got to move. I ain't going to be standing there. Well, this, this is what you call like a, what we call it, it used to be a string on the ball, but it's not a string, we got it on the pool. Come here, Josh. Come here. Hustle, hustle, hustle. This is when you're hitting it, right? And it moves. It's like a head. It's in the ring. It moves. So, Josh, I want you to go one, two, up top. Keep it going. Embracing your accuracy and placing your punches. Team Redemption Boxing Gym in East Baltimore, a place where kids are strengthening their minds and bodies, all thanks to the dedication of Alex Long. You're listening to Life in the Balance. I'm Aaron Hankin, and after the break, we're going to learn how Alex overcame some incredible challenges to become a community activist and a mentor to dozens of kids in his neighborhood. Stay with us. tuned to 88.1 WYPR, your NPR news station, where you can hear Life in the Balance on the first Wednesday of every month at 1 p.m. and again at 9 p.m. You can also check out past episodes of this show on your own schedule when you subscribe to the Life in the Balance 
podcast. You can find it at wypr.org slash podcastcentral. That's also where you can find some great new homegrown WYPR programs available exclusively as podcasts. The Noir and Bazaar is a podcast about occult history, ghosts, haunted houses, and secret crimes, with a special emphasis on stories that draw on the rich history and culture of Baltimore. And Knock Knock Who's There is a curiosity-driven podcast about opening doors and finding out who or what is behind them. Check out WYPR's menu of podcast offerings at wypr.org slash podcastcentral. I'm Aaron Hinkin. Welcome back to Life in the Balance. On this episode, we've been learning all about the Team Redemption Boxing Gym in East Baltimore. It's a place founded by local community activist Alex Long. The gym acts as a safe haven for kids in the area, an area with very limited options when it comes to extracurricular activities. But this gym is also a bit of a miracle. Alex's life hasn't been an easy one, and he brings to this project a personal understanding of all the challenges that youth in his neighborhood face. Working with Safe Streets, an anti-violence prevention program here in Baltimore, has given Alex the connections that allowed him to open the gym, and he's currently an Open Society Institute fellow, which means he's getting funding and nonprofit management resources to ensure that the gym is a success. We got the chance to chat with him a bit more about his life, his motivations, and how this all got started. My name is Alexander Long. Um, I'm a violence interrupter for Safe Streets. I somewhat feel like I, I turned out to be a productive citizen. You know, I'm still working and still trying, and, and I face my battles, but at the end of the day, I don't see anybody in our kids' is really motivating them and keeping them from doing the things that have destroyed their life. I, I see tons of people telling them all the things to destroy their life. You know, do this, do all the things that don't benefit them, their families, or anybody. So that's what, like I say, that I, I just wanted to give something that I noticed wasn't being given and wasn't being offered. And, that, and like I said, that once again is opportunity, man. We we have to stop taking away from our kids. And that's the one thing that I see across the board everywhere. They put on a back burner. Emotionally, physically, it almost doesn't matter. You know, and that's a hard pill to swallow. I know me as a young man, when I was growing up, when I was ignored, that's what caused me to rebel and do some of the the wildest things I was doing. So when I see kids that's just constantly being ignored, I can understand why we see what we see today in these streets. Do you have a story of like an Alex in your life when you were young, a mentor who kind of came in and, and stepped in when it maybe wasn't necessary for them to do so and, and made a change for you? It wouldn't be necessarily one person. Um, it could start with my football coach, Coach Hot, when I was at Whitlawn High School, um, Coach Reggie White when I was at Whitlawn High School, uh, Coach Haskins. Um, like I said, I had a lot of coaches that was always uh, Pastor Jones who was my foster uncle, who 
24-7. I, I don't care what I did, man. He he let me know that it was something better out there for me, even when I did the good things. Like, usually that's when you think somebody just let you slide. He's still like, man, you know, you can still be doing a whole lot. So he always let me know that it, it was a better me out there. You know, so it, it wasn't necessarily one individual. Like I say, it was like that, that village thing. So, like I say, I just wanted to play my part and just give back to my community the best I can. That's the only way I, I really knew how. I didn't have no money or, you know, big house or nothing like that. The only thing I had was just me and what I could do for you. You got together some equipment. You got this space. Tell me the story of, like, how you started spreading the word um, and how you how you got uh, kids into the idea of coming here. Once again, the, the credit go to my kids. Um I printed up flyers, I believe, once or twice, and both times I printed up like 50 copies. Um, I passed them out on my routine while I'm out on safe streets, just passing out flyers about the community and what we offering and what we're doing, and that's just one of the things. We got this boxing program that we're running now, but mainly it was the kids going to school bragging about them boxing. And then their homeboy be like, oh, where, where you box at? And oh, I box up safe street. So, it, it really been the kids that truly helped this program have success and take off like it has. Um, I, I can't take no credit and say I did anything, you know, special or spectacular. It been the kids going out there just telling the work that they've been putting out there. Tell me the story of the um, first day you opened the doors in, in this place. I mean, uh, what was that day like? Dreadful. Dreadful. I, I, I can really say that. Uh, because it, it wasn't to nobody expectation. I assumed that it'd just be like, you know, me and my sons. But uh, it, I really just thought it was going to be us. And my first day, I had 12 kids, and it was chaotic because I wasn't expecting to really be able to give orders to, <laughs> to 12 kids and, and have them sit there and listen and try to take them. So I, I kind of dreaded it because it – it was a lot of hard work. The kids was mad because it wasn't what they did. They, they just naturally assumed that they was just going to get gloves, mouthpiece, and just go beat each other up. They did not expect for it to be cardio. They did not expect for it to be sit down. And Like when we start in, in our group, <clears throat> we, we start out with a circle, and kids take five minutes to just sit back and just evaluate how they day went. You know, good, the bad, you know, what you think you could have did better, things like that just had that, that, that self-reflection time. So they wasn't expecting that, nor did I. I don't think they wanted no parts of that. So like I say, it, it, it was dreadful for everybody, but it was fun too because they, they really got to see what it really meant to box and got to see that it's not all about fighting and beating people up. Like it's really about a lifestyle change that you have to make. And before you even fight anybody, you have to respect that person as a fighter, because if you don't, nine times out of ten, you can go get knocked out. You know, so that's the one thing we really try to teach and spread is to re just to respect the people. And I guess, I mean, boxing has got to be such a pressure release valve because you do get to be aggressive. You do get to have this ritualized combat. But I guess at the end of a boxing match someone gets up after 10 seconds as opposed to the alternative. Exactly, and that's the one thing that I tell parents 
all the time. Would you much rather your kid go out here, get in a fight with one of his friends, and come home and be able to sit down and tell you how he got in a fight with one of his friends, why he got in a fight, and what he can probably do to prevent things like that? Or would you rather somebody come banging on your door and tell you that your son homeboy shot him in his head because they was beefing over a dice game? You know, so at some point we're going to have to choose what's more important. And to me, and it's not about the program that I run, and this is why I kind of started my program because it really get back to installing manhood into people because it's a lot of cowardness going on in these streets that nobody speaks on, you know? So to me, this is a way to eliminate that because you have to prove, unlike the streets, so you can just talk and you can be flashy in the streets. It's all about the show. This is all about the proof. You want to show that you're the best, you got to prove that you're the best. You got to actually go out here and if you got to beat them, if you got to outwork them, you're going to have to do that. You know, you it's not about what you say or how you look. You can come in here color-coordinated, matching shoes, you know, wristband, headband, and you won't get mopped. <laughs> it don't mean anything. You know, so it, it's all about how much you want it. And that's what we we got to get back to a society. It, we got too many people talking about what they want and talking about how they want to make things better and they just wish things wasn't how they were and all that. What you doing to make it better? Boxing is still a form of fighting, and people still get hurt. You know, the greater of the lesser evils at the end of the day. So that's the one thing that really kind of turned people off. Well, because a lot of times when I'm, you know, having discussion with parents, and I try to explain that to them, like, I'm not teaching your son how to be a bully. I'm not teaching your son how to go out here and beat people up. Like, don't have that misconception like just because your son come to my boxing program that he's automatically going to start going out here beating little kids up taking their lunch money and like it don't work like that if anything your son would kind of be like a hero because he would be deterring guys from doing stuff like that because he'd know that ain't cool and that ain't how you should treat people you know so it boxing has always been glorified but you know villainized at the same time just because just to what it, it's a bloody sport, you know, and nobody wants to see their child beat up. It's just like football. You know, we all love the violence. We love to see two giant men run full speed and collide together. What we don't like is the aftermath is when one of them grown men say that they can't walk or speak properly because of the collision or they can't remember who they are. Cause we don't like that part of it. And because, like I say, so many other stigmas that come with boxing, it kind of gave it a bad name. But when you truly sit back and look at it, this is the purest way from the beginning of time for people to settle their differences. From the Romans to the Africans to the Chinese, like everybody, like they had a whole gladiator <laughs> movie and series like that was like really to this day glorified. I'm, I'm glorified like because that showed the macho and man. It showed who was the true top dog or whatever you want to call it. And that's what society is about. Who was on top? You're obviously teaching athletic skills here, um, but you're also teaching. Uh, 
a culture. You're teaching a discipline. Um, there's a lot of personal mentoring, I imagine, happening here all the time. Talk about um, some of those um, more more personal conversations that, that sort of um, are maybe not are sort of the extra kinds of mentoring that you can do when you're in this sort of a situation. I mean, honestly, man, it's almost like being a surrogate dad. You you really don't know what to expect. Um, the young kid that was sitting in the chair, Uki in the back, he just lost his brother, um, not to death or anything, but he was, you know, put in a foster home. So that, that has a tremendous effect on him because him and his brother was best friends. And his brother was like his father, did everything for him, for real, for real. So, and that was kind of like a, a personal decision. So that's something that's, that's being worked out. But I say a lot of times you really realize that you truly became these kids, you know, like I say like surrogate dad or almost, you know, father figure for real. A lot of times I didn't add kids and I'm not saying it's like tooting my horn, but I didn't have kids say that they wish I was their dad and stuff like that. And it it kind of like hurt for real, you know, because you shouldn't have to turn to a stranger for that affection. You know, so the fact that they do have to turn to me, you know, I, I in, in a way I, I'm honored and glad that I could be there, but it'd it, it be kind of like a slap in the face for real, for real, you know, because you shouldn't have to know what that's like to you know, wish somebody else was your, your parent or could decide to take care of you and things like So that's why I say, like, at the end of the day, we truly have to start making ways for our kids and start eliminating and taking away from them. Like, we got to get these kids hope and inspiration. You never know who's going to be listening to a radio show. Um, but, there may, you know, there may be folks listening to this program who, uh, you know, make budget decisions in the city uh, and have some political power. What do you want to say to the people in power in the city about the importance of, of prioritizing recreational programs for kids in Baltimore? If I could just speak bluntly, take into the consideration that you take in for your kids. That same passion, energy, and drive that you put forth to ensure that your kids' schools have ACs and the best fields and the best teachers put that same fight towards Baltimore City because it's all for the betterment of us all. You know, we really want to see, as the president said, make America great again. Well, this is what we got to do to make America great. Make everybody great. Stop this pettiness of, oh, I'm better than you because I live here. Or I'm better than you because I make this. Like we, we, we truly got to give everybody the opportunity to be the same. And then whatever confidence, like when you look at countries overseas, they go to college for free. And America's supposed to be so great. You know, so we, 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 we truly want to be great as a whole, as a society. We have to wholeheartedly, everybody, put forth the same commitment and energy in everything, not just in the things that benefit you and your people. I wonder if you might talk about... Um I'll give you a chance to talk about your sister, who she was, what she meant to you, um, and what happened. Um, Ashley Danielle Long, uh, she was the life of the party, man. Anybody and everybody that, that knew her, they, they'd tell you, man, like, 
that's all she did was party. Like any picture you see of her, she's nonstop smiling, always happy, always energetic. And she was never with, you know, the foolishness. She was always the type that say, make your money, stop beefing. You should be, like she, she was all about just vibing out, you know, so that's a huge, huge loss that uh, me and my family suffered. And it's one that I'm really, you know, still trying to adapt and adjust to. An experience like that has got to be tough to wrap your mind around and integrate into the the fact that you're doing all this work all the time to prevent violence. I mean, did that... Um, what was it like to try to work through that and try to be... Um, sort of battling the the tide of violence at the same time. I mean, that it, it's got to be professionally discouraging, too. If it wasn't for the kids, like the kids that was just in this office, my kids, my sister kids, there's no telling what I would have done. Alex Long community activist, Safe Streets Violence Intervention Officer, and founder and president of Team Redemption Boxing Gym in East Baltimore. I'm Aaron Hinkin. You're tuned to Life in the Balance. Alex went on to tell us that his sister was murdered in the street by someone she knew. They got into an argument and nobody intervened. He describes his anger when he saw her body lying in the street. At that moment, one of the kids in the neighborhood, someone who knew his sister and Alex's family well, walked toward him with a butcher knife yelling about revenge. It was at that moment that he felt all his anger melt away. He had to talk this kid out of pursuing violence, and he'd be hypocritical to tell him to put the knife down while he was still hatching revenge plans of his own. He knew he couldn't continue a cycle of violence when he had kids who relied on him. Alex is renaming the gym Team Redemption Ashley's Garden in his sister's honor. We're going to take a short break now, but when we come back, we'll be talking with a clinical psychologist about the adolescent mind and just how important sports and meaningful group activities are at such an impactful age. We're going to try to understand the science behind Alex's program and why it's working so well. Life in the Balance comes back in just a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to Life in the Balance. I'm Aaron Henkin. On today's program, we've been hearing the story of Alex Long and the work that he's doing in East Baltimore. He's created an after-school boxing gym for the local kids, filling a void for meaningful extracurricular athletics for kids in the area. We've heard from Alex and from his students about how important this work is and the impact it's had on their lives. And now we're going to take a few minutes, zoom out, and try to get a more theoretical understanding about the value of sports in terms of structure and ritual for adolescents. Here to help us with that understanding is John Donahue. He's a licensed clinical psychologist and an assistant professor at the University of Baltimore. He focuses on the nature and treatment of anxiety, anger, and aggression, and he's worked with many young adults involved in the criminal justice system. John Donahue, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Tell me about your work uh, as a clinical psychologist. What sort of work do you do with patients? 
Uh, sure. So as you noted, uh, primarily I'm an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Baltimore. Uh, there I teach in both the undergraduate and graduate programs in psychology. Uh, and my research emphasis is on uh, emotion regulation, particularly how the ways in which we uh, attempt to modify or change our emotions uh, can be either adaptive or maladaptive and how that might play out in psychological disorders. Uh, clinically, um, my clinical interests are very much related to those research interests and, 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 and that work around emotion regulation. Um, as a graduate student, I worked with uh, a number of court-mandated uh, probationers uh, in the city of Philadelphia on the treatment of anger. Uh, I also worked in uh, the VA system in both Philadelphia and Portland, Oregon, where uh, I worked in PTSD outpatient clinics. Uh, and uh, I also worked in the federal prison system in one of their medical centers up in Devon. So it's essentially a hospital within a prison uh, where I did work with uh, incarcerated offenders um, who are experiencing psychiatric illness. With that experience and that focus in mind, John, uh, we've heard a bit about Alex's boxing program and the impact it's having on kids in the neighborhood. Most of the kids in that gym are between like 8 and 13 years old. Talk a bit about maybe that age range and why it's important for kids this age to be involved in some kind of organized physical activity. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, you know, interestingly, historically, if you, if you go back to the early days of the field of psychology uh, and Sigmund Freud would talk about adolescent development, uh, he would often speak about this period as, as, as being a time in which there wasn't a whole lot of development going on, uh, that it actually all kind of happened in the early years. And this was really a time to just practice and refine your skills. Uh, and over time, uh, research and child development has, has shown us that uh, that's actually quite false. This is a period in which there's market growth and development uh, going on, um, uh, as you might know. Uh, and this happens in a range of areas. So cognitively, uh, kids are developing complex problem-solving skills. They're developing uh, moral reasoning uh, abilities uh, in terms of emotional development. This is a time where uh, emotion regulation abilities are being promoted um, or in some instances not promoted, unfortunately. Uh, in interpersonal development, this is a time where you are kind of becoming more autonomous. Your, your network of, of peers greatly grows uh, through, coming, through going to school and expanding out into the neighborhood. Uh, and you're influenced not just by your parents or your caretakers, um, but you're influenced by a much larger range of people. And that way, uh, you can learn to cooperate, uh, how to negotiate uh, demands uh, in a society or in a group. Um, and really practice those interpersonal skills. So considering all of the developmental processes that are happening in this age range, um, organized activities, extracurricular activities, athletic activities um, are a huge plus for kids to be able to get involved in. I wonder if in your experience you've got thoughts about um, how cities prioritize that those options for children. Um, um, what kind of recreational and organized activities are available, um, and are there enough out there? So I, I think one unfortunate thing that that, that tends to occur, um, and I, I'm speaking to this as you know, as a as a parent, uh, as a member of the community. Um, 
oftentimes when budgets are being crunched and uh, particular programs are being prioritized, um, community activities, extracurricular activities um, can sometimes be given the short end of the stick. Uh, and these can be programs that uh, get cut uh, so as to prioritize uh, other resources or other programs that are deemed to be more important. Uh, I think uh, while I understand the, the rationale and, and the very kind of uh, the need to prioritize certain programs, uh, I think this can be incredibly short-sighted um, because of the potential long-term benefits of programs like this can uh, can provide for kids as they grow up. You know, it's interesting. Something uh, Alex Long does at the gym is he has all the boys get in a circle before their actual physical workout begins, uh, and he has them just talk about their day, reflect on it, whether it was good or bad, what they would change, and so on. Um, I wonder if you might talk about how sports uh, organized athletics might help provide social spaces for sharing. Yeah, so this really sounds like a wonderful element uh, of the program. Um, and, and I can't speak to it directly uh, without having more information about how exactly it's structured. Um, uh, but if you'll allow me to speculate about what could be going on, um, I can certainly do that. Uh, and one thing that might be happening in a program like this is that as you're working with your peers, as you're training with your peers, you're developing trust in them. You're developing uh, the ability to uh, cooperate and engage in this pro-social behavior towards a larger goal. Uh, and as you develop that trust, uh, that creates a safe space, right? So in that safe space, there's more of a willingness to share some of those more personal details of what's going on uh, in your life, at home, at school, uh, elsewhere. Uh, and then you take that safe space and you translate it to the circle uh, where these kids are actually asked to talk about what's going on uh, in their day. Uh, and and they're, really allowed, they're really given the opportunity to kind of develop those socio-emotional skills in that circle as they think about what they're feeling, why they're feeling that way, how they responded to their thoughts and emotions, what worked, what didn't work in this non-judgmental uh, atmosphere uh, where they're not feeling uh, uh, like they're going to be criticized or, or told that they're weak if they start talking about their emotions. They're doing this in front of each other, uh, their, their peers, and then they're also doing this uh, under the wing of mentors who really, I think in a lot of cases, come to fill in a really important void in, in a lot of kids' lives. Yeah. Um, coaches, uh, I've, I think we heard Alex say he's like a surrogate dad to a lot of these kids. You're tuned to Life in the Balance. We're talking with John Donahue. He's a clinical psychologist and assistant professor at the University of Baltimore. And John, tell me about a little bit more about your work, some of the inmates and young adults uh, involved in the criminal justice system that you've worked with. Are there some common threads that you've uh, seen, common experiences that have shaped their lives in their developmental years? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and, and one thing that immediately jumps out is marginalization. Uh, now, there are many roads that lead to Rome, and it's not just going to be one or two things uh, that lead someone down a path towards the criminal justice system or antisocial behavior. Uh, it's typically going to be hundreds, uh, if not thousands, uh, of causal factors. Uh, but marginalization really jumps out because once we push someone to the margins, and, and that can come through a number of ways, uh, that can be through... Um, 
childhood abuse or neglect. Uh, that can be through being bullied. Uh, that can come from becoming uh, the bully. Um, but once kids start to feel marginalized, uh, that starts to push them down a path of uh, less cooperation, less empathy, uh, less uh, pro-social behavior, and uh, that will can ultimately bring them in contact with the criminal justice system and increase their risk for mental health problems later on. I guess sports have always been a sort of ritualized combat, mm-hmm. like all throughout history, pressure release valve for aggression. Um, any thoughts on that historically? I mean, I guess it's it's. Uh, I'm, it was interesting to hear uh, Alex and some of his kids talking about you know being able to solve a problem with your hands versus you know a gun. Yeah. So I guess everything is relative. Yeah. It, it, exactly. And and. Uh, you know, you, you hear that more and more with the kind of the influx of, of, of guns in society uh, that, you know, disputes that, that may have been settled um, with your fists uh, in the past. Now that there's a gun involved, uh, it, it, it really changes the gravity of the situation. Uh, as far as um, kind of a, as a way to express kind of pent up emotions and the, the, the ritualistic nature of it, um, you know, one thing I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, might be this kind of catharsis uh, belief of, of emotions and aggressive behavior. And, and we used to think of aggression um, as a cathartic experience, right? If you get it out, then you're effectively uh, expressing that emotion, uh, and that allows you to kind of move forward from it and process it. Uh, some of the research has gone against that, that cathartic uh, hypothesis, uh, again, suggesting that aggression in response to emotions uh, serves to reinforce that aggressive response, so it becomes uh, more likely later on. Uh, so again, I think it goes back to um, how it is taught. If if these skills are taught as a way to respond to your emotions, um, then I think that could be problematic. Uh, but if they're taught as a way to train your mind, way to train your body, way to invoke discipline, uh, then I think that can be quite valuable uh, for a person. Um, but the notion of, of emotions as um, being kind of held in and bottled up and needing to be released uh, has really been supplanted in, in recent years by the notion of emotions as, as experiences that come and go uh, like waves. Uh, and we may not necessarily need to uh, uh, cathartically release them, um, but we do need to respond to them effectively. You mentioned the word discipline and that's a word that we heard over and over again from Alex Long. Um, and as I think about the experience that we shared hanging out with him, and I think about the work that you do, um, I think maybe you and Alex Long aren't too far apart um, in terms of your goals. He uses the word discipline a lot. Um, and I guess... Um, what he's trying to accomplish is to use this organized athletic activity as a way to instill self-discipline in the uh, in the students he's working with, and it sounds like that's um, in a great part your goals as a clinic your goal as a clinical psychologist. Um, any thoughts on um, the importance of discipline? 
as we get ready to wrap up? Yeah. So um, if I could, I, I'd like to speak to this notion, which is which is uh, related to discipline, uh, this notion of psychological flexibility. And uh, when I work with clients uh, in psychotherapy, um, my orientation is is something called acceptance and commitment therapy. Uh, and, and this is a psychological treatment that is an evidence-based treatment for a variety of uh, problem areas. And the goal here is to promote uh, something called psychological flexibility. And, and that refers to our willingness or our ability to remain in contact with our moment-to-moment experience uh, and shift our behavior or persist in behavior that's in the service of our long-term goals and values. Uh, and it's thought to be comprised of, of really three areas. So an openness to an experience. Can I tolerate difficult emotions and thoughts without trying to make them go away? Uh, an ability to be uh, aware and present in my current environment uh, versus running on automatic pilot. Uh, and then the third is uh, my ability to be engaged in the things that are important to me, engaging in value-driven behavior. Uh, and, and I see this in a program uh, like you described, uh, or like Alex's program, in which uh, boxing can help kids learn how to tolerate those difficult experiences. Be present, focusing on the here and now as opposed to what happened this morning or what's going on later this afternoon. Uh, and all of this is in the service of something larger than you, some goal that is important to you or some value uh, that is important to you. So I think in, in promoting this discipline, this is kind of one aspect of this larger concept of psychological flexibility, um, which is a road to well-being. I can hear your conflictedness uh, as you talk about this uh, idea of boxing uh, as um, as therapeutic activity, if you will. Um, and I guess part of it is you need to meet kids where they are yeah. and present them with something that is engaging enough to keep them coming back so that the discipline, the mentorship, the other good benefits that go along with an organized activity can happen, even if it's, you know, uh, a more aggressive sport. Yeah. 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 No, I I totally agree. And... um, you know, rarely is something either good or or bad, um, though the context makes it so. And I I I think this is a case um, where this type of program can be incredibly valuable in that it, it promotes self control, uh, it promotes uh, a more healthy mind uh, and body, and it may promote psychological flexibility. Uh, I think we need to monitor the safety element uh, and make sure that it's done in the in the in the safest way possible um and then also just think about the ways uh, in which it was taught you know another very obvious uh idea here that maybe you could give some perspective to john is the idea that um when you're physically active and uh physically healthy uh that puts you one more step closer to being mentally healthy there are certain root physiological benefits, right, to these activities, as well as all the social um, benefits that come along with them. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, and, and there are two things here. So, so first, just the, the the basic physical benefit, right? This is a period in time in which children are recommended to be getting at least one hour a day of strenuous physical exercise. Um, so, a program like this uh, allows a child to be getting that exercise uh, that is important for both their body and mind. Now, psychologically, uh, physical exercise has tremendous benefits. Uh, we sometimes refer to exercise as being nature antidepressant. Uh, in fact, it's really interesting if, if you look at studies on clinical depression, uh, for mild uh, levels of depression, a eight weeks of exercise has the exact same benefit as eight weeks of psychotherapy or eight weeks uh, of an, an, an antidepressant. Um, so in, in that case, sometimes the best prescription is exercise. And in fact, when I work with clients uh, and we are looking to improve overall emotion regulation skills, uh, one of the things we talk about is how to integrate exercise into their day. Uh, because as we do it, we become less susceptible to those difficult thoughts and emotions and, 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 and our tendency to respond ineffectively to them. John Donahue is a clinical psychologist and assistant professor at the University of Baltimore. And John, thank you very much for your perspective. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Life in the Balance is edited and produced by Katie Marquette. The program airs here on WYPR at 1 p.m. and again at 9 p.m. on the first Wednesday of the month. You can hear this episode along with older episodes at wypr.org slash life in the balance. For 88.1 WYPR, your NPR news station, I'm Aaron Hinkin. Thanks for listening.